You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we are using color films made in the old U.S. of A between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. We climb through the windows, we poke around at the world beyond, and as we do this, we ask some critical questions, such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making, and why? Also, and in arguably the most important aspect, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And at the end of the show, we are going to sum it all up with the final, the ultimate question on behalf of all of society here in the 21st century, which is, you guys, this movie that we just watched, we just spent a good amount of time talking about it, poking around, watching it, re-watching it. We're going to keep watching this thing? Are we going to keep showing this to other people? Are we going to keep talking about this? Or is this the final conversation. And I'll tell you what, guys, sometimes after our episodes, for example, Woman's World, I mean, that is the last conversation anybody ever needs to have about Woman's World. Nobody needs to talk about it anymore. It was a straight no from everybody. Get out of here, Woman's World. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my incredible panel of international experts at being human in the year 2000. Wait, in in the early 21st century. <laughs> Guys, let's keep it evergreen. I'm not going to tell you what year we're recording this in. Just know that it's right now as you're listening to it. Right. We're recording it. This is live. What you're hearing right now, audience, no edits. That's how we roll, right, guys? <laughs> Jesus. Starting on my left, as ever, but also across the Atlantic Ocean, mm. across the, is it the North Sea that we're crossing over yeah. to get to you? North Catherine sea. Sherlock. Yeah, the North Sea. <laughs> Catherine, Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us from the UK. Hello. Hi. Hello. Over there. Pleasure to be here. Hi. Hi. Yeah, great. Great to have you. And over to your left, as ever, just across the table from me, she's in Iceland with me, Shrishman Naik. Hey, Shrishi Boo. Hey, guys. What's up? Wonderful to have you here. I am very happy to be here. Pleased. Pleased as punch about it. Both both sides here. It's a two-way street we got going. <laughs> We're both happy about it. And then, of course, on your left, across the Atlantic Ocean in the other direction, mm. my sister and yours. The one, the only, the greatest in the biz, Carolyn Narrows. Hey, sis. Hey, I feel like I can't live up to that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Oh. But you nailed your hello. Uh, you, I mean, you you hit your cue right really when you well. were supposed to. So Good. well Good. done. You guys, are you feeling that uh, chill in the air? Are you hearing the uh, rustle of dead leaves beneath your feet? You should be because we are smack dab in the middle of Hitchcocktober. That's right. It's a month of thrilling suspense from the master of such thrilling suspense, Alfred Hitchcock. And we are watching today, 1948's the 40s, you guys. Huh? It's been yeah, a while, this is right? the earliest one, I feel. Mm, we did uh, Leave Her to Heaven is 45. Okay. Yep. But still, I mean, this is, yeah. we're on the other end of the spectrum. You know, this is a, almost as far away from that funny feeling or that darn cat as we can get. That's right. right. That darn cat, Catherine Sherlock, that is still looming overhead. I would just like to remind you that at some point, we're going to throw our plans aside and say, fuck it. We're mm. going to watch that darn cat. 
and you're just going to have to do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm not yeah, that sorry. I, yeah. yeah, I can only look it's forward coming. to that moment. Catherine's feeling a migraine coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I might be washing my hair that night. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I can't say I blame you. But you guys, 1948, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Mm. Now, just real quick, stretch my mic. Yes. I like to bounce some things off of you sometimes, right? Yes. When you heard that we were doing a movie called Rope, yes. what was your initial impulse? Um, it wasn't bad. I no, 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 not what it was. But when you heard like, we're doing a movie called Rope, what, what was your reaction? There was no reaction because it was preceded by Alfred Hitchcock's. Oh, okay. So, and I was excited that we were getting to watch another Alfred Hitchcock movie um, because you've hyped him up so much. I certainly have, yeah. Um, and I wanted to see if this one would finally live up to that hype. Okay, that you have okay. Created. Because if we will recall, just very briefly, we'll recap our Hitchcock. Right. Uh, passed here on the program, but North by Northwest, not your favorite. No. You thought they blew it. Right. Right. And Trouble with Harry, you gave it, it a pass. It was okay. I think I said yes to the movie. You did. It was an entertaining movie, but it wasn't the suspense. Kind of frothy, right? A little, mm. a little bit more fun than yes. scary, right? Exactly. But 1948's Rope. Guys, this, in some people's eyes, I don't. we'll, we'll get your one-line review in a minute, but I mean, this could be an intense film. Right. To be considered as such by some people. So, Catherine, let's start with you. Do you have a one-line review of Alfred Hitchcock's Rope? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Uh, privileged white boys realize murder thought experiment to demonstrate superiority leads to an awkward party for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. It's true. And we're done. <laughs> it's true. Yep. And that's the conversation. Um, Disappointingly, <laughs> nothing to do with Shibari. But there we are. As an aside. Wait. What? <laughs> Wait. What's, sh what's, what's Shibari? Um, erotic. Oh no. Uh, not oh. to oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Wait. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Right. Um, <laughs> Which is my yeah, that would make things on the road. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that be more interesting? Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Trish Mike, do you have a one line review of Rope? I do. Um, I'm glad we established that these men were not the superior intellects in the room. Um, but what a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's yeah. a, I mean, that's a rave coming from that you. That is. That I is. mean, these are, uh, these are a grind sometimes. <laughs> I know it. I know it. But wow. Okay. I can't I wait like to it. dig into yeah. this and see what you liked about this. Mm. My goodness. Uh, across the Ocean, Carolyn Nowrose, mm -hmm. do you have a one-line review for us? I, I do. Um, I mean, I, it's going to pale in comparison to Catherine's. My one-line review is the, that this film is uh, about prep school assholes that are too smart for their own good and are desperately yes. seeking acknowledgement of their intelligence. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> this is interesting. I mean, we're touching on a lot of the different facets of this film. Right. Now, no, nobody has brought up the murder? Well, no, no, but well. <laughs> I was going to, my quote was going to be the trouble with David, you know? Uh, okay, okay, yeah, sure. Right, yeah, that'd be appropriate. Right. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I did so say me, they've realized a murder thought experiment. Right. Yeah, that's true, right. that's true. Um, uh, let me hit you with this. Couples will do a lot to keep their relationship interesting, even if that means killing one of their best friends. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good. anybody yeah, confused I mean, by the couple? No, uh, um, but uh, so I, I did. I had to do a little bit of. I had to do a little bit of research. Nice. I had not watched this one before. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think much like Shrishma, North by Northwest, take or leave it. Yeah, not your care. favorite, you say? Yeah. No, not my favorite Hitchcock. I think one of my favorites is coming up though. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I'm really excited about. Me too. This one also, uh, be- I think. So it was based on a play, mm-hmm. uh, a 1920s play yes. that was also um, based on a real life event, Leopold and Loeb. Mm-hmm. If anyone yeah. is familiar, any crime junkies out there. In Chicago, right? So that's why I was like, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. But I was like, this is really familiar. And so then I was like, oh, well, duh, drawing the, dotting, dotting the lines back. Mm-hmm. And... In looking that up, there is discussion about the homosexual kind of undertones mm-hmm. um, that are that are sort of running through this, and that it was explicit in the stage play, I believe, is what I read. But yeah. like 1940s in film, of course, not, yeah, it like, but it's it's there very strong, and even strong, yeah, at least in my opinion, even with the encoded aspect of it it was this movie was still banned in several okay. cities i guess because okay. it was considered too over the top in that direction i because, guess because like because i thought they were supposed to be gay but yeah i guess um it wasn't explicitly yeah now it's interesting well i think it's interesting anyway but so I, this is a movie that i remember watching in high school right i remember mm. trying to make my friends watch this like hey guys you know something scary this will be great right. it's a movie from <laughs> 70 years ago did not go over very well uh but at the time like none of that came through to me at all and now i watch it i'm just like oh yeah these guys are very clearly a couple yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean they're going on vacation to their mom's house and they're you know they live in this place and they've been together for years we're led to believe i mean i think they state that explicitly yeah Uh, don't they even refer to themselves as a perfect couple or they're trying to be a perfect couple or something like that Ah, okay okay i have i definitely have that note yeah i mean it's not as coded as you would think. I don't. No. I don't think. No, I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was fairly clear. Just even, and I'm guessing it was very much a choice that um, how how close they were constantly together mm-hmm. in each other's space yeah, in yeah. all of the shots. Like not, you know, as in like eh, what's what's our ringleader's name here? I'm Brandon. totally blanking. Brandon. Yes, yeah. he seems to be kind of like crouching over everyone's shoulders oh, yeah. almost like i want to pet the hair like he's like that level <laughs> yeah, of creepy yeah. you know mm-hmm. and right and but they their physical proximity to one another i was like well clearly that this they're in a relationship because like there's a lot of intimacy between kind of, them yeah a lot of a lot of intimacy mm-hmm. uh let's let's start the film right so we open on a street scene and we get our opening credits. And if you needed to see the Alfred Hitchcock cameo in this film, I don't remember if we talked about this in Trouble with Harry. I don't remember where he shows up there. But in this one, he is the guy holding the newspaper walking down the street, apparently. Okay. We see him from behind. And it's Alfred Hitchcock's rope. And we pan the camera over to a curtained window from behind which we hear a sort of strangled scream. And here we are watching... Brandon and Philip choke their former schoolmate, or at least, uh, yeah, Brandon's yeah, former schoolmate. schoolmate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David 
Kentley, yes. And they're just strangling him with a with a rope. They've got their fancy driving gloves on. They are decked out in the finest of 1940s wide lapel suits. And they're just watching the life leave their friend's body. And when they check for his pulse or his heartbeat and find none, they then chuck him into a chest that's in their living room. And how did you feel about this as an opening? I mean, you're opening with the murder. This is good, right? This is Happy good. Halloween. Right. My only like whole thing now seems to be with Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like he, he okay. Mm. Oh, you wanted some some, some buildup, maybe. Right, like he always, um, I guess, gives away the plot maybe to the audience first, mm. and then we're on in on it with, like, what is the, there's? I know that's a tick. That's some kind of. This tick. is his mo though, because okay. he needs you to know that right. that body is in that it's chest in the, the chest. entire time because right. nobody else knows. So exactly. this is the whole principle was. If you want to build suspense, right. you have to, you know, show two people sitting at a table and then pull the camera back to reveal a, a bomb, a ticking right. bomb beneath the table, the table that they don't right. know, you know. So yes. he needs you to know. So you, you know, because every time anybody gets near that chest, right. anytime Mrs. Wilson's over there with her pate, you're like, just like, oh, oh, is this the time? Is this right. when it's happening? Right. So he's so, okay. he uses that to he uses fuck that a with lot. You, right. you know? okay, right i got you yeah yeah um it was interesting because it's you know it's already like okay what the fuck is going on is your as the movie opens that's already your question yeah. so then you've already kind of hooked us as the viewer to like okay let's see where this goes right right so, yeah because um, i mean the, the, no, the normal story is you know you get maybe a little bit of background of the characters you understand potentially motive and reasons for doing a thing maybe before it happens mm -hmm. a bit. Yes, right, right. Um, whereas there's, there's none of that here. It's just, wow, right. straight straight into uh, death. Which then, because there's straight, no context, well, then you yeah. get mystery instantly. Right. You know, it's mm -hmm. all, it's like you're well, trying it, to... It's like that kind of reveals itself, like, very, very slowly. And then you realize that it's absolutely... The reasoning is vapid. There's... It's boredom. Oh, yeah, it's ludicrous. It's, it's yeah. no reason for it. But it is, they do make it really clear, like, directly after the murder and putting him in the trunk, that there is, like, a psychological gratification mm -hmm. from these characters. Mm -hmm. So even mm -hmm. though it's, like, it's senseless yeah. to the average person, this is what separates a thrill-seeking criminal. It's like, that's where they get their rocks off. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're, you know, like, that... That is why we see with serial killers exactly. that, like, they often talk about how those crimes will escalate. Mm -hmm. They start with one thing, like if you like the Golden State Killer started with like breaking and entering and like being a peeping tom, and then breaking and entering, and then breaking and entering and raping, and then breaking and entering, raping and murdering mm -hmm. people. Right, right. So it was like because they get to a point where like, well, just peeping isn't doing it for me anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna push so the to, envelope. Like, Right. So in terms of the boredom aspect, like, yeah, these guys are like, I guess we're, we're bored. And, and there must have been, I'm guessing, a back context would be, and we kind of get it when they talk about their, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Stewart. Stewart yeah. Uh, Rupert. Was, Rupert. Is the headmaster or one of their teachers? Yes. Or yeah. Yeah. Or, right. Okay. We kind of get it in that conversation where, 
there's a backstory to it where they must have been very excited about planning this murder. Mm. Like the planning itself was something that the was perfectionism like, of it. The, the right. sure, sure. murder never to be caught. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, but what the, arrogance? Firstness <laughs> is is like what, yeah. What arrogance? They, they, they've Sorry, kind of gone like straight, straight, almost like straight to the escalation because it's like they mm. haven't just killed a man. Yeah. They then put him in a chest. Oh, and right. now they're having a party. Oh, yeah. Let's serve dinner off of it. Off him. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's use the murder weapon to tie up Daddy's books. Let's. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's father's book. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just a dinner party, or we didn't just murder someone we didn't know. We murdered a friend, and then we invited his parents and his potential fiance. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and these other the people to dinner. Yeah. So yeah, well, know. and it's interesting. So, so we we watch we watch David be be killed here. They chuck him in the chest, and then we do. We like to highlight various types of. Uh, smoking that you could do during this era. This is post-murdering your friend smoking, and it looks very gratifying. I mean, I have to. I've never done this kind myself, just to be clear. But I mean, it looks like really good. Right. I well, think. I guess you got to I mean, calm those nerves a little bit, right? I mean, yeah. If you're playing God, why wouldn't you have a cigarette too? I mean, uh, why not? Um, not but, gonna hurt you, I guess. Yeah, right, right. So they and then they open up the the curtains which have been drawn this entire time, and we get a, a look at the set and this incredible matte painting uh, behind the window there of the uh, New York City skyline from the 1940s. And I mean, it's a really incredible piece of matte work. Uh, it's really interactive and has seems to have dimensions and it has lights and you can see steam coming out of chimneys in the background and. Uh, these fiberglass clouds floating in the sky, and then the light uh, adjusts throughout the progression of the picture to meet with the time of day. But right away, these two guys, we get the impression that they are handling this very differently. Uh, so Philip is Philip's a fucking liability, right. okay, Brandon. <laughs> like Brandon, I he's know the mistake. He's to there, <laughs> kind of like for right. as smart as Brandon thinks he is, yeah. he makes a couple of boo boos in, right. in in perpetrating the perfect crime. Number one, he's chosen his boyfriend philip to to help him out with this because philip is not made for this you know like this he's not this guy and i wonder if this was just like some fun naughty couple drinks in talk or whatever and they start like yeah let's maybe we could kill somebody all right hey (laughs) oh um you know i think who who do we think is worthless enough to kill yeah right but this couldn't have been something they did like overnight Right. No, they they, they, they were thinking they, about they this. They put time okay. Yeah, and and Brandon, it's we're we're told again pretty clearly that he's been talking about the chest, the idea of a body in a chest since he was in school. You know, so number one, partnering with Philip, not a great idea. He's no. just not built for this. You know, like he he starts coming unhinged as soon as the job is done, and he starts drinking and drinking, and he just and drinks throughout the, the entire picture. And he's he's a nervous wreck. Right. Now Brandon he's is loving it. He's, seems, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean we we see it several times over. I mean it's amazing oh, that yeah. they made it as far as they did. To be honest with you, because this guy, oof, he's about to crumble. Uh, Brandon is really feeling himself at this point. It's like he just won the NBA finals yeah, or something like that. He's if- <laughs> he's like a champion, you know, like. He's he's got such swagger now that he's succeeded in his plan that he immediately this is mistake number two right off the bat he starts to fucking improvise you know like you mm. have to if you're gonna create the perfect crime you got to stick to the, the plan, plan you know yeah. 
And he starts he starts going off book and it creates some real problems. So, I mean, first things first, and I know it's kind of spoiling the movie, but whatever, we're here to talk about it. You guys, the hat in the closet, number one, you know, like mm-hmm. here's what you do. I know this, maybe in, in one of the other rooms, perhaps in this massive apartment, maybe they got a fireplace. You burn that fucker. You burn that hat as soon as as possible you have to destroy or throw it down the incinerator shoot or whatever um also when you start he's you know he's so full of himself he's so filled with his own uh gruesome power that you know he's, he moves the the meal over to the chest that right. the body is in and this was not part of the original plan he's just he wants to take it one step further he's escalating right carolyn and, yeah. and this is what it looks like, and this is how you get caught, you guys. They make reference to they, you know, they're they're sort of speaking about this a little bit, and they don't have a very high regard for David for some reason, and I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know if it's jealousy or what did you guys think of that? Because they they make this the statement, "Davids of the world only take up space," you know, and that's such such a burn. Well, it goes back to the whole re- like not goes back, but it brings up like why do they think themselves to be of such superior intellect? Right, right. And, and we never kind of came like just because they think so is the only like reason. Yeah, yeah. That we're led to because believe. they're having the thought, and therefore right, that exactly. justifies the, the um, actions. Yeah, it just I doesn't. Mean, why be friends with him then? Right, <laughs> you know, you don't like him. Like, what have these guys been exposed to, and then? What were the ideas that his professor taught them in mm-hmm, school mm-hmm. that led them to believe, one, that they were, you know, superior, and two, that this is something that, you know, being or having morals or being able to discern that, you know, you shouldn't murder someone right. is is um, is what is not of a superior intellect. Like, you don't think about that as a superior, like, being so smart. Yeah. It's, you know? like, it's the... Uh- it's it's somebody who thinks they know what smart is, but isn't right, actually isn't that smart. smart. Like this is very, let's call it freshman year yeah. thinking, you know. it's Like I'm yeah. semi-woke, but like I'm just, you know, woke because I, in this little circle that, that, right, um, right. that I believe. Yeah, yeah. Which is like really, that should have been my one-line review. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try it again? <laughs> well, think about it. I'll okay, formulate okay. it till the end. <laughs> okay, okay. At, at this point, this is where Brandon really... The, the wheels start to come off right right here. Well, they started with Philip. We, we, we've settled that. But right here, he's like, you know what? Let's move this carefully constructed table by our nosy house, uh, house um, not maid, what am I talking about? Housekeeper, Mrs. Wilson, uh, who has spent all goddamn day on this thing, apparently. Uh, and let's take this and move it over to the death chest. And let's set it up, which now this is a point. You guys tell me if this is just an etiquette thing that I'm missing, but everybody's obsessed with the idea of like, why are we serving food off of this chest? Mm. Who gives a shit? If I'm at a party, that's the last thing I'm thinking about is where the food is, like the thing holding the food. I'm just like, what is this? This As long as there is food. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's accessible. There's a a social, again, there's a format. There's a, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Be like this. And everybody does it like this. So if you do it some other way, then it's like, oh, I've lost my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Books in the dining room. What universe am I in? (laughs) Supper in the lounge. But it does sound. 
They, this wouldn't be done at Downton. You I guys, hear my, right? my my mom's voice sometimes. She's like, "You can't put this here." Oh, like, okay. I'm like, and like, do whatever I, I, did, I want. Right? Yeah, it's my party. <laughs> so the guys are setting up their little table. They bring their candlesticks over. It looks very much like a funeral procession. You know, it looks very kind of sinister as they ceremoniously place these candelabras on this dead man's chest and we get a glimpse then this is a some of this excellent camera movement the camera moves down to these first edition books that they have used as the excuse to invite mr kentley over and we get a glimpse of the rope peeking through the chest here the the murder weapon itself and of course, Philip sees it and he freaks the fuck out. Philip is freaking out the entire movie. So anytime I talk about Philip, just understand that he's uh, like jumping out of his. Yeah. Skin. Yeah. His eyes are like yes. bulging. They're popping out of his head. And uh, he's he's a he's about to break down into tears. He's he's very uh, agitated. It's very excitable. This Philip. And then they, they have a little spat about, you know, Philip, don't behave so ordinary you know being ordinary is a weakness it's a being weak is a mistake and that kind of sums up the entire attitude for brandon Mm -hmm. so at this point they then note that somebody named rupert cadell is going to be joining the party as well uh but philip was not aware of this and guess what he freaks out about it he's (laughs) rupert's coming nobody nobody told me that rupert's coming what's happening and he he freaks out because Rupert is apparently the one man who might suspect that something is amiss here. So right away, we're kind of curious as to who this Rupert character is, right? So uh, he's not there yet, though, but it is intriguing. Hey, everybody. Midroll Jay-Z here, breaking in per use to let you know about our fantastic products over at our Tee Public store. The link is, as ever, in the show notes. You just go read the words that are attached to this sound file and click the link, and it will take you right to our incredible merchandise. Now, look, the designers are hard at work on coming up with the infamous Boardroom Handies merchandise that has long been foretold ever since we did woman's world you don't have to watch the movie but definitely go back and listen to the episode and learn all about boardroom handies that should be coming soon i will let you know but for right now we still want to keep you focused on hitchcocktober and our atmospheric october cover artwork which is now available for you to get on some kind of mug or hooded sweatshirt or a onesie for your baby that's right, even for babies. So please go to our Tee Public store, check out the stuff there. You know you want to get some. And if you do, I'm going to thank you just like I will right now. Thank you. And now back to the show. So would David be considered a MacGuffin in this I think movie? so. Hmm, interesting. Because on, on one hand, yes. He, so he motivates everything else, but it's not really about him. Right. Until the very end, right? Right. But on the other hand, he is the result of all of the, you know, like the meat in the middle of this movie when we start talking about the who gets to murder whom and and for what reason, you know, like that. He is the result of that. He is, I I don't know. What do you guys I think he's a MacGuffin. Okay. Make your case. (laughs) I think much like in the problem with Harry is that 
we're talking, he, he is the plot motivator and we're talking in and around him all the time, but mm-hmm. he's like, other than that serves no purpose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. other than putting these people together in this room, mm-hmm. which is actually That's Brandon's right. doing. Right. But like these people are completely tied together by him, the, the MacGuffin. The mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did you notice the credits? Yes, the, cre- the credit. They're all from his point of view. Written in relationship to David. Yeah, David's yes. friends, David's parents. David's friends. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I thought that was well, very interesting, not- and especially yeah. I, I, th- I found that very poignant following Rupert's big uh, mea culpa, basically his his mm-hmm. realization when it all starts to go down right. that you know the the humanity you know like the uh, valuing somebody's inherent humanity or at right. least recognizing it for God's sake and then we see you know the the dead man's point of view yeah. for for all of the players yeah. and the thing that we just watched um, but yeah, yeah that's that's a good good observation so I guess there's your answer Shrishma yes he's the MacGuffin he is the MacGuffin right and the other thing that I appreciated about this movie was we talked about that scene where they have like you know the conversation about why they're committing this murder and mm-hmm. um, it's a really nice like a discussion like it's a we haven't had many movies where they're just sitting and talking about as much as you disagree with the concept that they're talking about but there's two sides of a a debate that are very nicely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um displayed or you yeah know, showcased sure, sure um and i thought that was quite quite interesting so you're it's not just like the story but they're having a very interesting debate about a topic um Whereas in a lot of the other movies, there's just things thrown at us, like you know, like this is the the, the this is how society is, and this is how you mm-hmm. want to be. Whereas here in this movie, I really enjoyed that they were debating a concept. Right. They 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 yeah. lay the the groundwork. Right. They kind of like walk you through right. somebody how somebody could, could end up thinking, thinking like, like this. this. Yeah. And exactly. the reasons yeah. for it, and they, yeah, and they debate it all in, in a very organic fashion, exactly. like you say, like yeah. all of this is around a dinner party. They're yeah. having dinner. They're having this discussion. So let's get to that point. Let's let's get the Kentleys in here, right? So Mr. Kentley arrives. Uh, his wife is not feeling well, Mrs. Kentley, David's mom. So mm-hmm. she stayed back home, and she serves as a. Um, something of a plot motivator because she's always calling and they're, or they're always calling her and then, you know, kind of sharing the information that David is still missing. But Mr. Kentley arrives with his sister-in-law. Delighted to come, dear boy. Uh, Anita Atwater, who is this glamorous, old school, sort of like unsinkable Molly Brown figure <laughs> in a massive hat with a big mm-hmm. uh, fur and just... She's just delightful, and she's just happy to be at a party that she's she's been visiting. Oh, I've been in New York two weeks, and just wanted to go to a party, you guys. And Henry is forever cataloging his library, and her accent is so cute; it's almost hard to understand yeah, what she's saying. Yeah, I felt. would this be the 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 transatlantic? Accent, I think do you think? So. Like this, like the very oldest of schools. Hey, I'm still yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she has a, a fantastic texture to her voice. You know, she's sort of it's very smoky. You know, the cigarettes have caught up with me, but I'm using it to my advantage as I speak through the veil in my enormous Napoleonic hat. And she's 
Yes, where they're talking about the somethings of the somethings. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, she's got that Virgo energy, and I just love it, or whatever. The... So attractively sinister. Don is the bull, you know. Very obstinate. <laughs> <laughs> and she's into horoscopes, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yes. I just she's into mood energies. I came over, yes. <laughs> I finished working out your horoscope just before we came. You're yeah, a moon child. I'm reading. Don't, Again. I was like, read my poems next. person who is bored. <laughs> like, what else have these people got to do? <laughs> You're a moon child. You're very much influenced by the moon. Make no mistake, the moon child is a drop. Right. We'll use it. <laughs> yeah, moon child. You're a moon child. Yes. Do you kind of remind me, though, of um, Lady Violet and Downton Abbey? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, she was giving me, like, she was going to be like, what is a weekend? Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. You never catch me with electricity in my house. <laughs> Trishma, Trishma, is this like where, where you're aiming for in life? Yeah, do you want to be this type of dame? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, wait, Trishma, can I ask you real quick? How is Bates managing? He's doing fine, he's, thank you. <laughs> but are you sure? I'm, I'm absolutely positive. One hundred percent. Very concerned about Bates managing, <laughs> and so is Mrs. Atwater visiting from the city, coming from the smoke. Talking of skeletons. Have you seen that new thing, The Stand? Um, so, yeah, these guys arrive. <laughs> Do y'all watch Bridgerton? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hear yes. it's very horny. Is it real horny, that show? It's quite horny. Is it? But okay. there's an old lady who tries, like, she's their version of... Um, Violet. Violet, okay, yeah. Okay, But she's not as Lady good. Danbury. Da- Danbury. She's amazing. She's okay. a battle axe. She's a battle axe. That's a great. I want to start using that. I want to bring battle axe. Battle axe because I, I, I don't think it's an insult, right? It's, it's just a yeah, it's a thing no. of power, right? I can call you a bunch of battle axes. Yes, Catherine. That I, is actually my life goal. You're fine with this? Uh, think yeah, about maybe it. Maybe I'm just a bit more. You can. I don't know. Just a bit more of a hacksaw. I don't just, know. <laughs> Just shoot me an email when, you, when you've arranged your thoughts on it. I, I don't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, not going to put you on the spot. You can choose to be a battle axe or not. I wouldn't do it against your will, of course. I'm I, the only I, my whole goal is to be known as like a formidable old lady. Right. So you would battle like to be axe. a battle axe? Yes, I would like to be. Like I, I'm also wondering, like, what is the aid when we like, like stop caring about we as women have to stop caring about all of like how we look and we just go with it and we're we're like yeah, well, just do it do it now watch the kardashians never oh well that's true uh, i mean that, how else are you gonna keep know. up you got you got to right can we talk about them for well, a minute <laughs> <laughs> i promise you i will to. give you a forum where you can tell me all about the kardashians can, <laughs> thank you can we table it for now we just can. or you know can we yes. can we death chest it for now yes and then we'll, we'll we'll get back to the Kardashians. Okay, thank you. Okay, so anyway, they so they entered the party, right? And Mrs. Atwater immediately mistakes Kenneth for David, and she's like, oh, hello, David, hello there, hello, and she's we, she's nearsighted, you know, right? And uh, guess who is upset, upset when this happens? But poor Philip, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that face. He's just loosed his bow. Oh my god. Yeah. No, he you're he's right. Catherine has soiled himself. It is <laughs> that that immaculate 
wide lapeled suit has now been totally ruined for keeps. And he just as well as brown, eh? Yeah, he's <laughs> At this point, there's a lot of speculation as to, like, people are concerned about David. They're not quite ready to call the police concerned, although the mention of police, guess what, you guys, it freaks out Philip quite a bit. Mm. He freaks out a little bit. Um, he's, he melts down. Philip's a little pussy. <laughs> he's just, sorry, I mean, sorry. It's your first mistake, Brandon. Right? So I, I can't say it enough. Yeah. So Mr. Kentley is very concerned. And so he wants to go home and everybody is going to kind of guide him home. They're going to join him back at his place. So uh, Janet's going to go. Obviously, she's the fiance. So she's concerned. Janet also does invite Kenneth to come along for a little bit of moral support, which again, it's like, oh, is there something, right. you know, something possibly blossoming? Maybe, maybe, who knows, who knows? And then Rupert is about to show himself out as well. And Mrs. Wilson hands him his hat, except it is not his hat. It is a smaller hat than would fit his head. And he looks inside and he notices the initials DK mm-hmm. on the inside of this Hamburg. And, or no, it's a, it's a fedora, excuse me. And uh, Mrs. Wilson's like, oh, I'm sorry, that's not your hat. Of course, you're th- this is your hat. And he's like, yeah, this is my hat. And he's, again, his curiosity is so peaked at this point, And he leaves. And Brandon has a little bit of post-murder party smoking here, as is very popular in these circumstances. And he is so proud of himself. You know, he loves everything that's gone down here. It's all gone according to plan, or so he thinks, even though he's a fucking sloppy bitch. You slop this up, Brandon. You Like, right away. Mm-hmm. You got to stay on book, buddy. So, at this point, uh, Mrs. Wilson's about to leave as well, and she as she steps out the door and says goodbye and wishes them well on their trip out to the country, she, she tells them to mind their P's and Q's, which is a saying that I've always heard, but she says it with such seriousness, I have to wonder... What this, but where does this come from? Does anybody know? Mind your P's and Q's. What are they? Where are they? Where do your I find them? How do I keep track of them? Watch your step. I don't let your P's. Please. Take care okay. now. Don't Just, let the door hit you on the way yeah. out. No. Trisma, what? That's not what it is. Your pleases and thank yous? Yeah. How is a Q a thank you? Like, Q. a thank you. Yeah. That's what I always thought it Mind was. Mind your please and thank yous. Yeah. Oh. Like, always say please and thank you. Like, that's a, so basically, be polite, be nice. Cues. Okay. Wow. Uh, the English idiom "mind there. your p's and q's" means to pay attention to the details of etiquette. It's another way of saying mind your manners. <laughs> okay. Still, still fuzzy on the p's and q's, but I like your explanation. I like these p's and q's. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I mean, no, it's Trishma's correct. Pleases and thank yous. Whoa! <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, I ever doubted you. I'm not, I would never, you know, Thanks. tell you that I was doubting you, but right. I, I doubted you for a second. But I'm so proud of you. Like our teachers used to tell us that. Oh. Our British teachers. Because oh. <laughs> I was a little bit of a rowdy child, right? <laughs> okay. No, you? You? Oh. Oh. Because, <laughs> you know, so, so they would call me across the room and be like, huh? That's not how you answer. You say, excuse me. Uh. <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. but no, uh, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but you called me. So I said, wow, this is right below the surface. Like, it, this is still fresh in your mind. I can tell. Yes, is- my manner, like, <laughs> they pounded manners into me. They're like, you cannot be such a rowdy this child. Sculpted your persona. <laughs> yeah. 
P's and Q's. I'm on top of P's it. P's and Q's. I get it. I get it. So <laughs> can I get out of this corner? Um, <laughs> wow. Well done. Thanks. Mind blower. <laughs> I've, I've learned something. Look at this, you guys. Look, we're teaching. We're teaching each other things. <laughs> so they, the fellas are about to leave for the country, right? They're going to take the body and everything, and they're you know they're sorting out the the book situation. Like we got to move these fucking books away and. And let's get ready for it, you guys. And there's a call. They get a phone call. And it turns out, you know, for whatever reason, Brandon sends Philip to go answer the phone. Brandon, Philip's, again, like I said it right away, I'll say it again, he's a liability. You got to keep right. him locked locked up he in his actions this and behaviors. <laughs> keep him in the corner. You sit there. You shut the fuck up, Philip. I got to go take care of this body. You are useless to me. Useless. Grab these legs. You do what I say, right? Don't say a word. Follow my instructions. But he sends him off to answer the goddamn telephone. Yeah, why would he do that? He's so brassy. He thinks he's gotten away with it. He's terrible at this. He's really bad at the perfect crime. He isn't reading the room. He's no, he? he's not. He's, he's too superior. He's so to cocky. Do right? so. Yeah. yeah of, well, of course. He's above. Just pull yourself together, man. He's, he's above um, such moral standards as common sense and or whatever. Doesn't he slap him? Doesn't he bitch slap him? Yeah, I think point? he does. He's just, you're being hysterical. Yeah, I think. Right. And so Philip answers the phone and who should it be? But of course, old Rupert, who is still lurking and he's always lurking in the background and he's forgotten his cigarette case. But, but Philip, he answers the phone. He's like, oh, hi, Rupert. He puts the phone down, leaves it open, leaves the line open, and starts shouting about, it's Rupert. He's going to find out that we killed David. And it's, listen, this is a, you know how a phone works, right? Dumbass. It's got a speaker. He can, you, you can yell in the other room. I mean, come on, buddy. But maybe phone technology was still maybe so fresh. Maybe still like, it's not that fresh. No. <laughs> no, it's we've, we've, d- yeah, exactly. Maybe the whole party line heard it. That's uh, well, no, see, right. I mean, that's the, the <laughs> next problem. We know that that's the case. There are right. no trunk lines at this point, so somebody could be listening in. A very young Rock Hudson could Maybe. be listening in to <laughs> these guys talking about their <laughs> shitty murder plan. Anyway, Brandon's like, shut the fuck up, Philip. You go answer that phone and tell Rupert it's fine. Which, again, Brandon, you know, he can hear you on the phone, dude. But Brandon goes and he takes the call. And he's like, oh, Rupert, yeah, of course. No, yeah, of course. You forgot your cigarette case. Yeah, come on up. Not a big deal. I've gotten away with uh, the perfect crime over here. I'm fine. I got plenty of swag. This is uh, nothing. Come on up here. You know, yeah, sure. Take a nap inside the, the death chest for all I fucking care. I've, I've got this down. <laughs> and so Rupert arrives. And uh, look at this guy. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> and this... <laughs> Philip's thousand-yard stare into the abyss as he wonders what his life has become um, and continues drinking, of course, a long one, if you will. And Rupert arrives, and he's like, oh, I'm just so sorry. I forgot my cigarette case, and it's just un- very unlike me. It's almost like you know somebody might say that I left it on purpose, you know. Mm without even realizing it. But, but why would I do that? And as, he, as he's explaining this, we see him take out his cigarette case and sort of cleverly slide it behind some of the old books on the old death chest. And he's like, he turns around and he's like, ah, here it is. And 
And Brandon, of course, he's not sweating any of this. So, you know, classic sociopath. He's like, yeah, stay for a drink. You know, again, move, move your stuff one. in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have a long one. And would you believe it? Philip freaks out. And he just shouts, cat and mouse, cat and mouse. But who's the cat and who's the mouse? It's a okay. whole meltdown. Yeah, lost it. Lost it at this point. Meltdown number 72 or whatever of the evening. <laughs> and um, It's escalating. Yeah, he really is. And uh, so so Rupert kind of settles in. And he's like, yeah, this is pleasant, having drinks with friends. And yeah, maybe I'll just hang out here for a while, fellas. And maybe I'll even see you off as you go. And, you know, Philip doesn't like that either. He's freaking out about that. You know it. And at this point, they start speculating amongst the three of them about what do you really think happened to David? Because Janet has made some kind of uh, theory. She's come out with a theory that he's been kidnapped or, you know, something's happened to him. And they're like, well, what do you think about this? And and Rupert's sort of considering it, and Brandon's really egging him on. You know, like, well, what would you do, Rupert? Let's let's say that I did murder him. I mean, this guy's out of control. What oh, if I yeah. did murder him? How do you think I would do it? And he makes Rupert walk through step by step the logic of killing David uh, as as they have done, and they get right to the point of the death where Rupert's kind of like, yeah, and then I would probably, you know, take him uh, take him out the back or whatever, get, get rid of the body, and you know, take care of it, and. Brandon, of course, he's so smug and he's just got to tell him how smart he is. So he's like, well, but but then you would be seen. So mm-hmm. you would have to wait until nighttime, which would mean the body is still in the apartment. And at this point, Rupert is very nervous, you can tell. Like it's really starting to affect him as the reality of the situation is revealing itself. They're like, I think these idiots really fucking did this. Yeah. So he... We see him turn and he pulls from his pocket the rope, right? The titular rope. And he turns around and he's holding it. Guess who doesn't like that? <laughs> Philip hates it. He's like, oh, he knows, Brandon, he knows. And this is the end. Brandon, of course, has uh, grabbed his his uh, handgun at this point. Oh, and, and, and Rupert calls him out for, for seeing the, the gun in his jacket. And he's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just, a, you know, there's security issues up at the farm. And I just like to keep it with me and feel safe. So there's a loose gun around. And it, as we know, it's a Chekhov's gun thing, quite quite literally. It's just, you know, if, if there's a gun scene, it must go off. And so you know, Philip freaks out. He grabs the gun. And Rupert makes a grab for it. And they, they end up wrestling over the gun and a shot is fired and Philip sort of collapses. He's, he's sort of just out for the count here at this point. He's just, he's done. He's got nothing left in him and he's hammered. He's a little tight as Brandon would say. At this point, Rupert's like, look, I'm opening this chest and I really hope that I don't find what I am pretty sure I'm going to find. And he does. And here we get some great performance, I think, from Jimmy Stewart. I think he does a really, a really good job. We don't see the body in the chest or anything like that, but we see his reaction to what he sees. And I think it's very effectively done. It's a very nice performance there of the, the horror as it is revealed and his worst uh, nightmares are confirmed to be true. At this, this is a, a transformation for him as a character because at this point he realizes the the inherent danger of all of his 
uh, philosophical musings. Yes, his speculations about yeah. yes the his own arrogance. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, and and, and it's brought home yeah. to roost for him. His chickens have come home. Right. His strangled chickens, right? And absolutely, and he he can't believe it. He's just like uh, you know, I never thought that it would come to this. You know, just these musings or whatever. But here it is, and I always thought everything was dark about humanity and I always saw the world through that way. But now I'm seeing the body of this, this boy and he sees him as, as the boy that he knew right. when he was in school and everything, uh, you know, and I can't logic my way around this. Like this is just inherently wrong. Grotesque. He's, he's, yeah. He's stunned by the result, and he can't support it. And he understands now the importance uh, and the right that each life has to, to exist, right? So, and I like that. That's how they ended it. Like he kind of became the moral center for the film, and then they called out how absurd, you know, yeah, all this thinking was. I yes. just like the way that that's how they chose to. Yeah, there's a, there's an arc there right. to to yeah. his his thinking, which which hovers over everything, right? right? It permeates the entire film and all of these characters, but he he's finally brought to the realization that nobody is superior. Nobody gets to play God. Nobody gets to choose. Nobody has the right. Now, he says that, but then he immediately says, well, society will choose and society will kill you. So, it's sort of like, well, uh, we got we got close. But... <laughs> At least it's not the superior white men deciding. Well, I guess it is. Well, I mean, society in the 40s. I guess it's in 2022. It still is. So I take back my words. Okay. <laughs> but we get, we get close, right? right? We're getting very close. We are. Uh, this we? is, well, this is as close as you're going to get in this era okay. anyway. In and the 1940s. And again, yes. a testament to Hitchcock, you know. Elevating this material, which could be very pulpy and trashy, right. and and making a philosophical case for all of this for on, on all sides, you know, looking at this issue. So uh, Rupert then takes the gun. He goes over to this massive window we've been staring at the entire time, and he fires three shots out, and we just listen. So then it becomes uh, a soundscape of of a street that we we saw at the very beginning of the film, haven't seen since then, but we're hearing voices of. Did you hear gun gunshot? You know, mm. somebody call the police. It's crazy. It came up from that window out there and so they they sit and hmm. brandon starts to make himself a drink and philip sits at his piano and rupert walks over to the death chest pulls up a chair and sits next to the dead body of his former pupil and the last line we have is philip saying they're coming as we hear sirens in the distance and then it's roll credits from david's point of view and that's the end of rope Interesting mm-hmm. that the police responded so quickly um, to yeah. three gunshots well, it's in fiction. said I mean, it's neighborhood. A, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's do the business, you guys. Catherine Sherlock, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, nineteen forty-eight. Jimmy Stewart, a bunch of other people. Mm. Mm. Do we keep watching this thing? Yes. Okay. Any particular reason? Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's some damn fine. Cinematography, it's a um, very unusual dark story. It has a moral, I guess. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, I, I liked a lot about mm-hmm. it. Okay, great. And you, so, and you had not seen this before, correct? No. Okay, okay. So you would, you would take a look at this again, maybe? Maybe. maybe. I, perhaps okay. not me personally, but I think it should be made available for others. Okay, great. 
that's that's enough. Uh, Shushman Ike, do you think we're gonna keep watching this? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. I would. I would like. You know, I would see myself watching this again. Really? Okay. Like maybe not right away, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if I ever like be like, hey, that would be it. Like, there's enough here where you'd right, be curious enough curious to go to, back to right. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay, we're two for two. Carolyn now, Rose. Do we keep watching this? It's a no for me. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Although, I mean, I'll enter the caveat that I totally get and understand and appreciate the cinematography mm-hmm. advances in this and like stylistic choices and the material, the thought process. I just, for me, it wasn't enjoyable to watch because I don't care about any of these characters. There was nothing really that like drew me in about mm-hmm. them. Okay. So therefore, I mean, really the reason that films are good and, and TV shows are good and books are good is that you care about the characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You care about the, the people that are, you know, um, inhabiting that world and space that you're choosing to interact with. And this one, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't connect with any of these people. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they, uh, most of the characters are ciphers, I would say. They just, they serve, they're pretty one dimensional and they serve a purpose to enhance the motives of our protagonists so i mean it was a clean tight movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it was it's certainly more of a philosophical exercise than uh a sort of what as you say uh interpersonal emotional right and so i kind of feel like well if i'm coming out of it saying like the only cool things are sort of you know the experimental side of what hitchcock is doing here i'm like that's not enough for me to Mm -hmm. keep it Mm -hmm. got you Gotcha. It's fair. You came in cool. You you leave cool. Are you more lukewarm than cool at this point? I mean, has, has it warmed at all for you, the conversation, mm-hmm. or pretty much the same? No, it's pretty much the same. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It's a yes for me. I enjoy this film. Now, I'm kind of, maybe when I was younger, I was more intrigued by the technical aspects of it, but I'm kind of over that at this okay. point. It's interesting to see, but it's really not, that's not enough to float multiple rewatches, you know? And so now I'm more compelled by the philosophical conversations, the fact that this does seem to be some kind of autopsy post-World War on the, uh, the nature of how we think of the, you know, the Nietzschean Superman concept mm-hmm. and this idea of uh, being above the moral fray and all of this. And there being exceptions to the rule and who gets to live and who gets to die and all this. I think it's uh, – on one hand, it seems a little freshman year. But also, every time I, th- I think that, then something happens in real life that's like, oh, okay. So, we still need to be teaching right. this lesson. You know, right. like this is still a conversation that needs to be had. Mm. So, if you're going to do that, this is a good way to do it. Uh, I also – Really enjoyed Jimmy Stewart in this movie. Right. Yeah, so um, did I. I think this is actually, this might be my favorite James Stewart movie, possibly outside of like Winchester yeah, 73 nice. or something like that. But I like him more in this mode. And I know he was uncomfortable with it, but it's because he's not a clear cut leading man. I think it's the fact that he is a bit ambiguous mm-hmm. in his own morality and his own teachings and philosophizing. I think it makes him complicated and uh, and also I enjoy his sort of his intuition and how it manifests in his performance 
And I, I, so I, I really, I think he's quite exceptional in this movie. Uh, so yeah, th thus concludes our conversation about rope. We did it. Well done guys. Let's talk about Woo! next week. The third of our three Hitchcock films that we are going to be watching this Hitchcock October. Very excited about this one. I've been wanting to watch this one for quite some time now, but I've been saving it for this very time in our soon to be had conversation. 1963's the other end of the spectrum of time here. Ooh. The birds. I can't oh, wait. Wow. I'm really excited to watch Hi. this movie. Okay. Now who's seen the birds? Trisma, you seen I've the birds? I've never seen it. Yes. Catherine, you seen the birds? Many times. Okay. Carolyn. I love the birds. Love the birds. But I love I the birds too. I won't be able to join too. next week. But yeah. Ah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we can catch up with you later and just get your general thoughts on the birds if you have any. And also, I just recommend that you just watch it for fun, you know, just enjoy. Yeah, I, that is one I would just happily watch. Oh, again. it's so good. And again. Okay. Now, it's one I, I watch regularly. That it's one of my very favorite Hitchcocks. Yeah, it's the weirdest shit. Trishma, I can't wait for you to watch this. A wealthy San Francisco socialite pursues a potential boyfriend to a small northern California town that slowly takes a turn for the bizarre when birds of all kinds suddenly begin to attack people. Okay. So, how do you feel about birds? I mean, so far I like them. Ambivalent. Okay, I, uh, you, you enjoy I, them. Like, I mean, I don't go and seek them out. Okay, you, you got no beef with birds. No, no beef with birds. Okay. But we'll see how you feel after you know, this. this. Like picture. chicken. <laughs> she likes choking that chicken. <laughs> Duck is good. Turkey is good. <laughs> I can't wait to hear all about the birds next week. That's next Wednesday, you guys. Join us. Go watch the birds, everybody at home. This is come on, it's Halloween. This is a it's weird fucking birds, movie. Right? This shit is for the birds. Made by birds. Have some birds, everybody. And we'll see you next time uh, on Old Movie Time Machine. Goodbye. Over to you, me, in the future. Go. Thank you, me from the past. Well done, everybody. Back then, from the view up here in the present day. That's right. So concludes another episode of Old Movie Time Machine. Uh, let us know what you think about rope. Or the concept of just rope itself. What kind of rope do you like? How do you like to tie up your boat? What, whatever kind of rope thoughts you have, please share them with us. Party line at oldmovietimemachine.com. We would love to hear from you. Also, if you enjoyed this program, please be aware that it is actually twice as long. We went through the whole film, scene by scene, blow by blow, choke by choke, or strangle by strangle. I can't remember if choking and strangling are the same thing. I, I feel like not, but uh, we'll have to ask my sister, the criminologist, about it. Anyway, it is available over on our Patreon called The Boom Room. The link is in the show notes. And for $2 a month, you can get twice the lovely content that you just heard here. That's right. Every episode is usually more than double the length of what we put out on the free feed. So go check us out at the Patreon, the Boom Room, link, show notes, staccato, phrasing. And as for next week, we are in fact watching 1963's The Birds, starring Tippi Hedren and Rod Taylor. Now, this is fortunately available all over the goddamn place. You can stream it on Peacock, but the premium version only, you guys. You can also rent it or purchase it at Apple TV, 
Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Voodoo, Microsoft, The Store, Redbox, DirecTV, AMC, Theaters on Demand. And I guess I guess that's it. Uh, yeah, so please go check out The Birds. You definitely want to see this before our conversation next Wednesday when that episode drops. So happy watching for that. Also, please beware of the birds. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're out to get us. It's a war, you guys. It's a bird war. You had no idea, but you're going to find out. So until then, this has been Old Movie Time Machine.